Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Hey everyone, it is Star Wars Bookworms here with a bonus content episode. I'm your host, Teresa Delgado, and I'm here with my co-host, Aaron Goen. Hey Teresa, how are you doing tonight? Hey, we're good. So, why are we doing this bonus content episode? Well, it's a very impromptu recording, but I was just at Star Wars Reads Day over the weekend on Saturday. And there was an author there, Joe Schreiber, who's the author of Death Troopers and Red Harvest and the upcoming Darth Maul Lockdown uh, book. And I got some pretty good audio, so I wanted to, um, you know, share that with our listeners and, uh, you know, maybe talk a little bit about how the event went. Cool. Well, we had another reason we wanted to do this, too, and... Recently, I'd say over the past few days, especially over the weekend, we have had a lot of new likes to our Facebook page and a lot of new followers to our Facebook. So we wanted to do this episode for you to give you something that you haven't heard, especially about a book that we haven't heard a whole lot about. So this is an episode we're doing specifically for you guys out there. We appreciate everything that you're doing, spreading the word about Star Wars bookworms, and keep it up. Yeah, definitely. This is a, a little bit of a bonus content episode, and uh, like you said, just a, a bit of a thank you. We did get some really cool audio uh, from from Joe Schreiber, and uh, we wanted to share that. But before we before we play that audio, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about how the event went and and uh, how Star Wars Reads Day, you know, is for people that maybe have never been to one or been interested in going to one. Um, Teresa, I know you've you've been to one in the past, right? I have been to one in the past. It was back when I was living in Austin, Texas, and we moved to Florida, for those of you who don't know, um, not that long ago, and there really wasn't a good um, event that I could find in my area, so unfortunately, I did not get to go this year, which was kind of made me sad, and um, I was jealous of what they were doing back at the place where I went last year, so you're lucky that you had one to go to. Yeah, the, last year they had one in my area that was actually like literally two minutes from my work, but I didn't even like look it up to see what was going on, and I actually missed it. And I know there was a there was a Star Wars author there, and I can't remember who it was now, but I was kicking myself for completely missing it because I just never assumed that they would send somebody a Star Wars author, you know, to the suburbs of Philadelphia. It just didn't seem like the you know a big enough town to send people to. Uh, so I didn't even check. So this year I checked, and I was like, oh, let me see if there's anybody around. And actually the one, it's in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is about an hour from where I live. I noticed that Joe Schreiber was going to be there. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool because he's, you know, he's the author of the upcoming Darth Maul lockdown book, which is the next novel to come out. Um, this is one that we really don't know that much about. Um, we haven't really gotten an official uh, you know, preview of it other than what was in the back of the uh, Razor's Edge novel. So there, there's still some mystery surrounding it. So I thought it might be a cool one to go to and kind of hear what he had to say about it. And uh, so I went. I brought my my wife and two very young kids. Uh, my <laughs> my son is only one. He's well, he's getting closer to two. He's about 18 months. And then my my daughter is three. So 
Um, I was kind of wondering how that would work out with them being so young, but it actually was really good. Like the the event is really cool. So if anyone has never been to a Star Wars Reads Day, I hope they do it again next year, and I would definitely recommend checking it out. Even if you have really young kids, they still have a lot of stuff going on. Um, if you've ever been to a Barnes & Noble, they actually have like kind of an area that's kind of for younger kids. So they even have like toys out that they can play with, and there's all kinds of books that are you know designed for younger children. Did so, they did they do any events at the one you went to? Because the like last year, the one I did, they had a costume contest and they had all kinds of little stuff um, laid out for the kids. So there was like coloring pages or masks or something, and they had all kinds of cool like crafty stuff going on, as well as the uh, you know the interviews or with the authors yeah they did they actually had like you said they had a costume contest they had a trivia contest you know i'm not sure what the prizes were just because you know i think the contests were more for the uh the younger kids and so i didn't i didn't get all dressed up or anything trying to win the costume contest but um there, a lot of the kids did come in costume there was some you know kids in full jedi garb there was a full darth vader there, I think the kid was probably only like eight or nine, but he had a full Darth Vader costume, which was really cool. Um, and then obviously you have the the five hundred first who come in all in their costumes as well. Um, you know, and all the kids just love that. You know, my son was like enthralled with with the storm the stormtrooper showing up, and he you know he's only eighteen months, but he was like following the stormtrooper around and <laughs> pointing at it and like cool. Cool, you know, like. Well, you know, and actually, in the sound clip, I think you can hear your son like once or twice. Yeah, you can. Yeah, in the when we play the Joe Schreiber, um, that's actually my daughter. You can oh, hear, that was. You can hear her in the background. I had her kind of locked down in a stroller, you know, so she wouldn't run away from me as I was recording this audio, and uh, so you can kind of hear her like uh, I think kind of uh, impatient moaning. <laughs> she was <laughs> wanting to get out of her her uh, her stroller as I was doing daddy nerdy stuff that <laughs> but she, sooner or later she'll she'll be like this is so cool and yeah you'll be able to talk to her about all kinds of fun star wars stuff so but yeah it was really a really awesome event i had a lot of fun and it was a lot cooler than i kind of expected it to be a lot more of a big deal i th- kind of thought it would be you know considering it's in Len- lancaster pennsylvania which is you know a couple of hours away from any any major city you know, I didn't think it would be that big a deal, but they, they did a really good job over there. You know, it's kind of interesting because even at the one in Austin, I don't think, I don't know for sure if they send authors out to these things because, you know, in Austin we have BioWare there. And um, Drew Carpishan lives in the area, as does Aaron Alston. So we had, I think it was five or six people. So we had Aaron Alston, Drew Carpishan, and then we had the BioWare guys who did the Old Republic, like, um, like kind of like an atlas book like it was really big you know and uh they the ones that did comics and things like that so it was pretty cool so i don't know how they how they I organize think, that or i think it a lot of it just depends on where the authors live and they kind of attend the ones that they're the closest to so i think because austin is more of the type of place that authors t- tend to live and a lot of those guys live down there um that's why you you know, a place like that would get six different authors or however many were there, you know, um, showing up. I know there was other locations in the country that had a handful of people um, as opposed to just one author. And I think the reason why Joe Schreiber was at this one was because he actually lives in 
you know, the suburbs of Philadelphia as well. So since oh, cool. he's since he's local, this is the one that he comes to, and I'm I'm assuming that you know if if they have another one next year, he probably would be coming to another one in this area. So neat. But yeah, they had a lot of like really awesome giveaways, which I which I was uh, using my children as uh, a. <laughs> <laughs> I you know make sure I'm carrying both of them in my arms as I walk up. Okay, get a poster for you. Get a poster for you. Get a poster for daddy. Get a poster for mommy. You know, like, <laughs> I totally took advantage of my children. They had no interest in the freebies, but I I did. So I was using them to get as much freebies as I could. But I got a lot of really cool uh, posters, some some uh, like wristbands, pins, things like that. So I, I got a, as much of that stuff as they would let me take. And uh, cool. It was really awesome. Send over your wife's stuff to me. <laughs> I did. I did get extras, Teresa. So I, I, I fully intend to be sending you a few things. But yeah, I'm really sad that I didn't get to go. I loved the event I was at last year. So, you know, but I was at work this time around. Woo. Yeah. Well, like we were talking about before, I did get some audio from uh, Joe Schreiber, and he basically did a Q and A. Um, well, actually, before he did the Q and A, he actually read. A part of the book. I think it's actually the very first part of the book from what he was saying. So he read a portion of the book and then he did a quick Q&A afterwards. So all in all, the audio that we have that we're about to play is about 12 minutes long. And I will uh, tell the listeners, um, because I didn't have any like professional audio recording equipment, I kind of just like at the last second, you know, turned on my iPhone and, and just basically did the, the voice memo app and pulled it up and you know, just recorded from a bit of a distance. I wasn't, I wasn't right at the front, and I, I wish I had gone up there earlier. I could have probably asked him if I could set the phone right on the table, but unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to do that. So the audio isn't perfect, and it's definitely probably not as loud as I would like it to be. So I just want to warn you, you might have to turn your volume up a little bit to really uh, to hear it well, but you can hear it good enough that I think it's good enough to play on the podcast. So we're going to go ahead and play that audio now. And then after the audio, me and Teresa will do a little bit of uh, just discussion of kind of what, what we thought about some of the things he had to say. I'm actually going to read a little bit, if that's okay, and then we'll do a few questions if anybody has any questions, and then I'll be happy to sign any books anybody wants to have signed. Um, I've, I've written a couple of Star Wars books, but today I was going to read from the one I have that's coming out in January, uh, which is a Darth Maul novel called Maul Lockdown. I'll set it up a little bit for you. It's a, it's a Darth Maul prison novel. Um, it takes place in a prison called Cog Hive 7, which is a prison planet. And it's a fully automated prison planet, which basically means that it's articulated. It can rearrange itself and its infrastructure, however the warden wants to arrange it, so that any two inmates can be pitted against each other in a gladiatorial fight to the death at any time. So there's this whole galactic gambling combine that bets on the outcomes of these prisoners fighting each other within this prison. And, and the setup for the book is that Darth Sidious is sending Maul into the prison to find this reclusive weapons dealer who operates his empire out of this prison. And he has to find him and track him down in order to buy this particular weapon that Sidious needs to advance his plans. So that's sort of the setup for the book. Um, the book itself starts right in the middle of a battle with, between Maul and another alien. Um, and see if you can figure out who the alien is based on the description. I actually put the name in, and then when I wrote it, they were like, well, actually, this particular species wasn't, we didn't know what it was at this point in the Star Wars timeline. So I described it, but I don't say what it is. So see if you can figure it out based on this uh, chapter. 
starts out literally with a fist to the face. Wham! The first punch came at Maul sideways, spinning his upper body around with the sheer force of impact and driving him back a half step before he fully recovered his equilibrium. Somewhere under his feet, the alloy plates of the cell's floor seemed to shiver and quake, threatening to give way. He spat out a tooth and wiped away the blood. The creature in front of him was a walking trophy case of previous kills. Two and a half meters high, its massive shoulders and upper torso encased in jagged plates of primitive armor that clearly had once served as the jawbone and carapace of a much larger predator. It seemed to occupy an entire corner of the prison cell. Maul stared at the thing. The gray slope of its face was a surgeon's nightmare of ritualistic scars, metal rings and studs, wire loops and hooks, with bluish sacks pulsating beneath its eyes. You guys catching all this? All of it siphoning down and inward toward a gaping razor-toothed mouth. Even its arms seemed to have been plucked from two different organisms. The right hand was a blunt-knuckled fist, the left an elongated spider-fingered claw. Together they formed a mallet and blade, one made for pounding, the other for slashing. It's, it was that right hand that had come careening out of nowhere just seconds before, slamming Maul backward and knocking out one of his teeth. The thing reached down and picked up Maul's incisor from the floor of the cell. Straightening up, it shoved the tooth into an empty space in its own mouth, twisting it until it lodged in place. Then it grinned at Maul as if asking how he liked the sight of one of his own teeth in its mouth, another trophy for its collection. Maul gazed back at it, and then the rage came and the rage was good. The uniform they'd given him was a standard orange jumpsuit whose heavy fabric cut off movement in most directions. Maul heard its seams ripping as he sprang at the opponent, closing the half-meter gap between them in less than a second. The thing responded exactly as he hoped, lunging up eagerly to meet his advance. Its mismatched arms wheeled wildly before it, swinging and clawing through the stale gray air of the cell, its voice screeching at him in a guttural, choking language he'd never heard before. Let those be your dying words, Maul thought, right here, today. Close enough now that he could smell a corpse stink pouring off of it like rotten meat, he fell into a reflexive series of moves. Both hands shot out and grabbed the creature by its throat, hoisting it up over his head and squeezing until he felt the deep tendons of its neck beginning to give and weaken in his grip. There was a wet, muffled click from somewhere inside the thing's chest, and a sudden glut of warm, thick, sticky fluid began spurting from his throat. Blood. Jet black. So, this is an alien that he's fighting, it's put its armor out of its other kills, and it's got black blood and pulsating blue sacks under its eyes. Any guesses as to what we're talking about? Yes? Those, um, lizard people, I think they're called Eternations. Close, no. Yes. Yusin Vong? Yes, Yusin Vong. Give the man a cigar. <laughs> so, the story of Maul locked down and smiling at my niece. Um, there's a story of Maul doing this investigation as he tries to track down Iram Radik, who's this elusive arms dealer. He needs to buy a weapon, um, and he needs to do it soon so he doesn't get killed in one of these matches. He's not allowed to use his force abilities when he's in prison because he's been instructed specifically to keep a low profile. He's in there under a false name, under false identity and he's trying to keep from being discovered, and he's trying to keep from being killed. So um, I hope when it comes out that everybody enjoys it. It was a lot of fun to write. I've, like I said, I've done two other Star Wars books, but I think I had the most fun with this one. Um, because 
I enjoyed the horror Star Wars, but I also really enjoyed Maul as a character. It was just a ton of fun to write to write this character. Um, I'll be happy to answer any questions anybody has. But usually, this is uh, a good time to ask any questions if anybody wanted to talk about Star Wars. I'm sure you met George Lucas in person. I have not oh, met yeah. George Lucas in person, no. I met a guy who looked just like him, though. His name was George. He, it, was a, it was in an event in Indianapolis, and it was for death troopers, and so all his characters were zombies. And this guy who looked like a zombie, George Lucas, came over to me, like half of his beard was rotten away, and, and he, he's wearing the plaid shirt, and he had the kind of stomach, and he goes, I'm George. And I was like, wow, you're like the best George Lucas I've ever seen. And uh, he's just a guy who just happened to be named George and actually just looked like George oh, Lucas. Wow. So I, I did meet the zombie George Lucas. <laughs> and I think now my chance is probably over now that he's not involved in the, the running of things anymore. He seems to, my understanding is he's a guy who's very, very, um, I, I would describe him as a visionary in a lot of ways. I mean, it's really interesting. There's a new comic out where they actually took his original Star Wars uh, screenplay, when it's called The Star Wars, and uh, turned it, they turned it into a comic. And it's very different from Star Wars, but you can see, it's kind of interesting to see where the idea started from. Because clearly he worked on it for a long time before he got to where it was. And also, it's pretty smart of him to lock down the licensing rights earlier, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is, that is. Anybody else? Questions? Yes? A Wookiee. Well, it really depends. Because the cool thing about the the book that I did was that he gets to fight all these characters. Like, I wanted to have a scene where he fought a Wampa. So I was like, what if they've got a Wampa locked up down there? That was actually my editor's suggestion. He's like, who knows what they have in this prison? Maybe there's a Wampa he has to fight. So it really depends. I would say it really depends on the circumstances. An angry enough Wookiee, maybe if it was a rabid Wookiee, it's filming with the mouth, maybe Will the book tie in with the Darth Plagueis novel at all? The book um, does tie in. It takes place right around that same time. And actually the weapon that um, he's sent in to sort of buy at the prison ties into the, a weapon that's used in Plagueis. So James Lucino, who wrote Plagueis, um, gave me notes kind of throughout as to a good way to handle the relationship between Sidious <coughs> and Plagueis especially, because it's the same sort of relationship as it is in that book. They're kind of plotting against one another, but at the same time, they're still master and apprentice. So there's a lot of crossover there. It's a, that's a really good book. Has anyone read Darth Plagueis, the book? It's, it's, it's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's, a good, it's a good book. Yes, sir. How come he's in prison? He gets sent in because he has to find somebody who's there. So he goes in pretending to be a prisoner. He didn't really commit any other crimes besides just being a horrible Sith. He, uh, they came up with a fake identity for him so that he would get sent there. With a, with a fake name and everything. But everybody has to believe that he really is a bad guy. Anybody looking forward to the next Star Wars movie? Anybody apprehensive about the new Star Wars movie? Yeah, a little? I don't know. I kind of like J.J. Abrams. We'll see what he has to say about it. I mean, everyone has sort of has mixed feelings about the prequels too, right? So in a lot of ways, it could be really good. Maybe there'll be some rookies in it. That's what I heard. With, I wish I knew more. With uh, Darth Maul coming back in the Clone Wars, did you like? Did you watch the show to prepare at all for how you wrote him, or did you not take that into account? I did, because actually this was supposed to take place much further on originally, after he got his legs back and everything, and he was carrying on his reign of galactic terror with, uh, with 
with his brother, right? Yeah. Yeah, with uh, Savage. Yeah, Savage Oppressed. So yeah, this was originally supposed to take place then, and he was more like Scarface. It was originally sort of pitched as a Star Wars Scarface type book, and uh, then they decided to set it back. But then they decided it should be a Boba Fett novel, and then they decided to set it back. So there's a. Does anyone remember when Lucasfilm was doing that game 1313? Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be, at one point, there was, it was going to be a novel about Boba Fett in level 1313 in Coruscant. And then Disney bought Lucasfilm and all that changed, and now there's no 1313, which is too bad because it looked like it could have been a fun game. Yes? My favorite character, like, across the Star Wars universe? Probably Salacious Crumb. That's like my favorite answer, because he just gets to sit there and cackle hysterically. I just think that's pretty cool. That's really it's hard to say a favorite, though. You know, really, the more you learn, the more you, the more you know, the more interested you are in the other characters that you're with. He's got to be one of my favorites. Missy, what was your impression of, like, I know when you're doing this mixed reviews of the, the prequels, I, mean, you know, I was going to ask, what is your favorite, I mean, versus the prequels versus the original? Or do you like the movie? I grew up with the first one. I mean, I was that age. I remember going to see the Red when it was just Star Wars right. in the theater and really loving it, not really understanding it. We came in late, so I came in. We missed the opening scene, so my first view of Star Wars was, was Vader emerging in that corridor with blaster smoke rising around him, and it was terrifying. I had no idea who he was. I just knew that he had a respiratory problem, and he was really scary. And later on, when uh, somebody described him as a man trapped inside a walking coffin, I thought, that's exactly my first take as a kid, seeing this enormous black figure on the screen. It just freaked me out, and uh, there's a scary component of Star Wars that I think we forget about now that it's been around for so long and the characters have been on postage stamps and all that kind of thing, but the first impression for me as a, as a I guess, a nine-year-old or eight-year-old in the audience was there was a lot of scary stuff in Star Wars, and that's what made it so cool in a lot of ways, because Darth Vader is such an iconically terrifying character, but for a long time there was no humanity there. You just saw this imposing black skull-like face, and... Uh, so I, I love, to get back to your question, I love that first movie. Love, love, love Empire. Well, probably my personal favorite, just the way it's put together, I think. Hoth is so, so well done. Um, third one's okay. The prequels have their moments. There's a, there's a thing coming out in Star Wars Insider Magazine in a couple months called 50 Things We Love About the Prequels. And they invited a bunch of Star Wars authors just to say what they liked. And the prequels, I mean, clearly there's design stuff going on in the prequels, which is just phenomenal, like eye-poppingly good. Like the rain battle on Mustafar and just like the, the lightsabers and some of the weapons and stuff that come out are so good. Um, and then there's just some cool little moments in it, too. There's a great scene in the second one, in Clones, where Obi-Wan is going to talk to Jango about what happened um, with the princess, and he knows that Jango was involved, and Jango knows he knows. And there's just this whole subtext of both of them just trying to be sort of aloof, but you know each other. Know. And then, of course, it ends in a big battle. But that cool little scene is almost like, a, almost like a little mystery scene in the middle of the movie. Stuff like that, I think, works really well. So I do like those, the prequels as well. And I like the Clone Wars. I thought that was a good show. Yes? Um, what are your thoughts on the Old Republic? My thoughts on the Old Republic? Like, what specifically? Like, is it, is it cool? I think it's, I like the Old Republic as far as, um, like, Death, or uh, Red Harvest is sort of set in the Old Republic. It takes place way, way back, you know, when no one had to pretend that they weren't Sith and Jedi and they could just kind of be at war with each other. I, I do like that aspect of it. I haven't read around a lot. I like the Star Wars that the universe goes so far back and so far forward that 
there's so much real estate there. It's, it's so much has changed, and yet there's a ton of room in the universe. I think it's great. Yes? What's your favorite Star Wars planet? My favorite Star Wars planet? I really like the planet Hoth. I, mean, I think it's because I'm from Michigan where it snowed a lot in the wintertime. So, and I miss the snow here. So, and I really like the movie The Thing with Kurt Russell, which is a snow-based movie in the Arctic with a monster in it. So I always thought it was cool. And I also thought it was cool that he had to cut open his tauntaun and crawl inside to stay warm. It was kind of gross and cool at the same time. And I like the idea of having to shut things down because they freeze, because my car wouldn't start a lot when I lived in Michigan. So that really meant a lot to me personally. So Hoth might be my favorite planet. What's your favorite Star Wars planet? That's where Savage found Darth Maul lurking around. That was a good episode. Found him. That had me going too. If there's no other questions, I'll sign books for anybody who wants their book signed. Be happy to do that. Okay, and we're back. Um, you just listened to an not really an interview with Joe Schreiber, but audio from Star Wars Reads Day in Lancaster, Pennsylvania with Joe Schreiber. And he just read an excerpt from the very beginning of the Mall Lockdown book that he has coming out. Aaron, are you excited about this book now that you know a little bit more and you got to hear from the author directly? Yes. I, I mean, I was excited for this book even before I heard uh, anything from the author. I... You know, when it comes to Joe Schreiber, I really don't know his Star Wars work that well because I never read Death Troopers or Red Harvest. You know, those books were kind of always kind of advertised as horror novels, and I'm not really that into horror stuff. So those are two that I skipped back when they came out. So when I heard, though, that he was writing a, a book about Darth Maul being in prison, and I saw the cover for it, and it just looked really cool. And I was like, okay, the guy that wrote these horror novels, even though I didn't read them, He's probably the perfect writer to write a really dark story about Darth Maul. So I was really excited for it when they first announced it. And then after going to this event and hearing him talk a little bit more about the details about the book, although he didn't give us a ton of detail, he did tease a few things, and I'm you know, I'm still really excited for it. How about you? I know you're a big Darth Maul fan, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Darth Maul is... Oh, I have a secret love affair with Darth Maul, as creepy as that sounds. You like the bad boys? I do. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, um, Maul was one of those characters for me that he just sort of, from his appearance in Phantom Menace, and then after that, I read the Maul book, and I was just totally enthralled by him and then when he came back in the Clone Wars it was the best thing ever so yeah I am excited I like you haven't read Death Troopers or um, Red Harvest purely because of the billing as a horror novels and I'm not really I'd like to be into the whole zombie thing but it literally does actually scare me so I've just kind of said, well, that's nice. Like, maybe I'll buy those at a half-price books or something and have them in my collection, but I won't read them. Yeah, I actually actually have recently, within the past year, really gotten into zombie stuff, I think because of the show The Walking Dead. Well, um, that's the thing. I love The Walking Dead, Oh, like, but I've only seen part of the first season, and it's because I have to have someone watching it with me. So in order to tie my husband down long enough to say, we're going to watch from Walking Dead and have him sit there with me, because otherwise I start freaking out. Yeah, but I did, 
I did actually buy a copy of Death Troopers while I was at the bookstore because I wanted to have something for Joe Schreiber to sign. Um, so I waited, in, you know, waited in line afterwards to get him to sign it, and then I talked to him very briefly. That was your in, right? Like, yeah, right. Here, sign my book. Oh, by the way. By the way, I do this podcast. I'm from Star Wars Bookworms. So <laughs> I did tell him about us doing a podcast and told him that we would love to to interview him sometime, and he agreed and actually uh, gave me his email address, which is something that's kind of cool because he didn't have anything to write his email address on. And you so, know, it was kind of like that when I was at the last Star Wars Reads Day. It's like they came totally unprepared for anybody to care about anything that they were doing. Well, he asked me if I had a card, and I was like, no. And I was like, man, we need to get cards. Yeah, <laughs> so, we do. But, but um, I mean, come on. We only have 14 episodes. We're, we're still pretty new at this whole thing. But, yeah, uh, next you time. You should have cards because of what we write for anyway. Yeah, so, but... I, it was kind of good though that he didn't have anything to write it on because then he had his the part that he read, he read from the novel. Uh huh. He actually had that on his table printed out. So and from the looks of it, it was actually printed out from the, you know, whatever you know file that they're going to use to print the actual book because it had you know the correct font, it had the the page number on it, you know everything that it would look like it was from the book. And he actually wrote his email address on the back of it, and it was the very last page that he had read from. So there was a portion on that page that he didn't actually read. So oh, I actually, nice. in my possession now, own a piece of paper that has an excerpt from the book that has never been even read. It's not even in the clip that we just played. Um, so maybe I can, I don't know if I'd get in trouble from Del Rey. Yeah, you probably would. Well, he's ha- he handed it to me, so if anybody got in trouble, it would be him. But <laughs> Hey, you know what? After the book comes out, we'll do a dramatic reading. I was I was going to say, I'm not going to read it on the podcast, but I might. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes. That but, would be so awesome. But it is kind we of a cool little like, thing that nobody else would have. Yeah. That would be cool. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of cool to get that from him, you know, to, to actually have it with his email address on the back of it. Um, so I thought that was awesome. Yeah, for sure. So... At the very beginning of the clip, as he's reading it, he introduces an alien species. And I think the best part of the entire clip is once it's done and he asks anybody if they know what the alien species is. And you hear a a little boy that answers and he gets it wrong. And and then you hear Aaron go, Yu Zhang Mong? (laughs) (laughs) As if you didn't know what it was the second he started describing it. Well... Let, just to kind of set the scene for the listeners to kind of how the environment was, most of the people that were in the audience, and there wasn't that many people there to, you know, for his Q&A or for the reading, but it was mostly children, you know, you know, 12 and under kids. And so, um, and you can kind of tell by the way that he's, you know, answering some of the questions or even some of the questions that were asked, you know, it's a younger audience. He's talking to a younger audience, you know, so I kind of wanted to sit back and just let the kids you know, answer the questions or ask him the questions. But there was a lot of times where he was kind of looking for, you know, a question to be asked or, or something. So I did jump in and ask. You can hear me a few times. A couple of the questions, you, if you recognize my voice, were from me. Um, but, yeah, I had to answer that Yusin Vong because he kind of was looking around for the answer, and I think he thought people would know it right away. So I, I threw it out. But He was very proud of you. Yeah, so he, was everyone else. Yeah, I got, I got a, some thunderous applause i guess (laughs) but yeah i thought that was his reading though i thought that was really cool i mean i think it's going to be kind of controvert not controversial but i think there's going to be people that are probably annoyed 
with the fact that there's a Yusin Vong in this era, because this is pre the Phantom Menace, um, pre Darth Maul getting cut in half. This is all, you know, uh, before that. So at this time in the timeline, we shouldn't really know about the Yusin Vong. So it is an interesting choice to add a character of that species to the novel. And I know even just on Twitter, because I had already tweeted out that he had said that there's Yusin Vong in the novel, and even on Twitter, I've already gotten responses from people like, oh, no, like, why would he do that? Why, you know, groan kind of thing. I think it's cool, you know, whatever. I Darth Maul versus a Yusin Vong, that's cool. I don't have a clue what a Yusin Vong is, so I'm like, cool, it's awesome. And I know everybody's, every, you know, I think people really wonder why I'm even hosting an EU podcast when I haven't read any of that stuff. So let me just remind everybody, I'm an old Republic EU nerd. All right. <laughs> so you don't, you really don't know what a Yusin Vong is? I've heard of them. Okay. I've heard of the Yusin Vong War. I've heard of all that stuff, but I've never, like, seen them described. It's it's not like I don't know where they exist in the timeline. I do. And I do know about, you know, I guess high and low points from that time frame, from all the stuff that I've read to familiarize myself with that era and the books and where they fall in the timeline and everything. But I've never sat and read a book that has it in it. And I can remind everybody, when I first started reading Star Wars books, I wanted to read from the very beginning to the end. Like, I wanted to start at the beginning and go in the correct timeline because I'm weird. Well, when I started doing that, they started adding more books to the beginning of the timeline. So I got trapped up there, you know, way before Phantom Menace and all of the stuff that started coming out. And then... Just recently, I started saying, okay, well, I'm trapped up here, so I'm going to go read some stuff at the end. So, like, I was reading the Fate of the Jedi novels, you know, because they started coming out. They were brand new. So I started reading those. And um, then I started collecting books when Borders went out of business, and so I bought a whole bunch of books. So I have all of these books. I have the entire... um, What's it called? Legacy of the Force series. I have that entire series in paperback because I got it for like $5 or something. And um, so I have all of them. I just, I got trapped. That's, I mean, hey, there's there's all kinds of Star Wars Expanded Universe fans and not everybody's read every novel. And, you know, I think it's fu- it's good that you haven't read, you know, as much probably as, as I have. But it gives it a different perspective. You know, you come with a, a probably more of a fresh perspective than I do, where I'm kind of maybe a little bit more of the jaded, you know, Star Wars Expanded Universe fan that's read almost everything that's out there. And, uh, you know, you come with a little bit more of a fresh perspective. So it's fine. And we always have the guests to come on to fill in the gaps. So Ta-da, there we go. It's all good. But, yeah, so the Yus and Vong, it's a, you know, they're the main villains from the New Jedi Order series. It's a 19-book, you know, book series. So they're a major part of the Expanded Universe, but they're they're a major part of the post-Return of the Jedi Expanded Universe. So to see uh, a character from that species to show up here in this early in the timeline is a little baffling. Um, we do know that they were around, you know, that for that long. We just didn't know. You know, they were sending, I think part of the story is that they were sending these scouts ahead, you know, and that Darth Sidious actually knew and was aware of this threat that was coming and it was actually the reason why he wanted to establish the Empire um, to be able to fight this threat, or, or one of the reasons why he wanted to establish the Empire. So they tie it all in, and I really think it's a throwaway character. I think, you know, unless, I could be wrong, but from what 
where we heard from Joe Schreiber, it sounds like Darth Maul fights the character at the very beginning of the book. He kills him, and that's it. There's no, you know, there's no more Yuzen Vong in the novel. Um, it's just a throwaway character, and I think the author just thought it would be cool to have Mar- Darth Maul face off against the Yuzen Vong. Yeah, sounds good. Hey, does it count if I have um, Vector Prime on my bookshelf? Have you read it? No, but okay. it, I have it. The, <laughs> the thing. You were talking about the New Jedi Order. I'm like, what do I have of those? I would say it's definitely, you know, it well, would be a good series to read. Now, you, you haven't read any of them. No, but, but I got that one because it's written by R.A. Salvatore, and he did a whole, um, he has his whole other world of, you know, like dark elves and all kinds of stuff that he writes on his own that's not Star Wars, but I like him as an author, so I saw that one and I bought it. Yeah, but I think it's probably a, a series that you, you would want to read, but because of all the changes that might be coming with the new movies coming out and who knows what that's going to mean for the expanded universe, maybe save, save yourself some time and not read them um, and see what happens you know, with the expanded universe in the future. You know what? But I actually think I like that with the new movies coming out and I haven't read all this stuff that I'm not really going to be that jaded when the movies come out. I'm just going to be like, yeah, new movie's cool. I don't really know how this messes anything up. And then after I've seen them, I'll go back and read them and go, oh. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> well, uh, what were some other things that he said in the uh, the clip that were kind of interesting to you? Um, I really liked him talking about the timeline stuff. Especially, you know, talking about how originally it was supposed to be in the time frame when Maul was with Savage and they're, you know, doing their whole taking over the galaxy type of thing. And it was supposed to be there. And then how it became a Boba Fett book. And then, you know, just how the book changed over time and where it was going to be set. I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that, that it changed so much because he was saying originally it was going to be Clone Wars, then they were going to do a Boba Fett novel, and then they switched it back to the pre-Phantom Menace. And it, I was thinking, is the story that easy to change around? Because he said something about the when it was going to be a Boba Fett novel, that it would just be a, a Boba Fett novel about Boba Fett on the level of 1313 in Coruscant. So mm-hmm. it doesn't sound like there's a prison involved. So I'm thinking, okay, was this just them, like, really being wishy-washy and he didn't even have any kind of a manuscript written at all? Is this, like, you know, the very pre-stages? Or had he already written some stuff and they were thinking about just switching out the character of Darth Maul to be Boba Fett? I don't know. I'd love to ask him that question. Oh, I I would, too. From the sound of it, it sounds like maybe they were just trying to figure out where the book was going to go, that they knew they wanted him to write something. They just didn't know what it would be and where it would be at. You know, and then, of course, he talks about, I mean, I believe you're the one that asked him about if it ties in with Darth Plagueis, right? Yeah, and I kind of had already known that. I knew that it did tie in because they've said that before that it was going to, but I kind of wanted just to bring it up to hear him talk about it, so that's why I asked that question. But that was, you know, kind of interesting that he actually has talked to or has gotten notes from James Luceno, who wrote Darth Plagueis, um, on how the character's you know, how their relationship should be. So I'm glad to see that, that that collaboration. It's always good to see these authors collaborate. Yeah, I think that's really, really cool. I think the last point for me is just that his favorite character is Salacious Crumb. That's good. I like it when people's favorite characters are somebody that's not really mainstream and, you know, not Darth Vader or, 
Luke Skywalker, you know, because I'm kind of like that. My favorite character is Wicket, and um, I don't care what anybody says. Ewoks rock, and Warwick Davis agrees. You <laughs> <laughs> said so at Star Wars. I, I mean, I loved Ewoks, but I was I was three when that movie came out, so I'm pretty sure I was probably the intended audience. Well, I was not alive. Not alive. Um, but I was alive like two years later. And where that was the first one I saw, and I fell in love with Ewoks. And I didn't even realize until um, Star Wars Weekends this year, this is sad, but I didn't, until Star Wars Weekends this year, that the Ewoks were going to eat Han Solo and Leia. Um, and it disturbed me. <laughs> because I just thought they were captured. They're not as cute as you thought, Teresa. I I hadn't put it all together. They were just, they had just captured them, you know. They were going to burn them alive or something, not eat them. And then I was like, wow, that's awful. <laughs> I like the uh, the question that the the kid asked, what's your favorite planet? And then he told him his favorite planet was Hoth. And then he asked the kid, well, what's your favorite planet? And the kid said, Lotho Minor, which I was like, I love this kid. You know, he's going to be the future you know, super nerdy Star Wars fan that's listening to podcasts like ours, you know, when your favorite planet is a planet that most, 99% of people have no yeah. idea what you're talking about, Lotho Minor. And I just, as soon as he said it, I was like, yes. Did uh, did Joe Schreiber even look like he knew what Lotho Minor was? No, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't look like he did at all. He, I think he was stumped until the kids said that that was where uh, Savage Press found Darth Maul, and then it, it kind of clicked in, in Joe's brain, and he was like, oh, okay, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, when the kid first said it, he kind of just looked like, uh, so. Sorry yeah. about that, guys. That's my cat. Um, ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right, well, that that's pretty much it. I just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about what he said. He gave us some pretty interesting information. We know now there there is a Yusin Vong. Darth Maul battles a Yusin Vong right at the beginning of the book and kills it. That's kind of cool. Um, and... We know it ties in with Darth Plagueis, and we know that you know there was some some interesting decisions going on as far as what the book was going to be about, and there was a you know possibility of it being even a Boba Fett book, which is really interesting because I know they were going to do a Boba Fett book with Karen Travis that got canceled. So the fact that they were thinking about doing another one with Joe Schreiber, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if that book finally does happen. It sounds like somebody's really trying to make it happen. Yeah, somebody's really pushing a Boba Fett book. So, well, but. we want to thank all of our fans for actually listening to the show, number one, and then number two, liking us on Facebook and following us on Twitter, and of course, sharing us with your friends and family. So, please continue to do that, and if you want to see us on Twitter, see what we have to say, it's at SWBookworms. Also, we are encouraging our listeners to send us emails, um, send us reviews of books that you've read, it can be... It can be anything. It can be something that came out 10 years ago. Um, Just, you know, share your Star Wars EU world with us and send us an email. It's starwarsbookworms at gmail.com. And also remember to go on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. And Aaron, where can they find you? Um, If you want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter handle is at avgoins. And I'm at icecoldpenguin. And as always, may the force be with you. And Teresa's cat agrees. 
<laughs> and now if anyone can do basic math,